Escape to summer with Victoria's Secret's just-arrived collection of swim and other sun-ready silhouettes. Pack your bags with new styles from the Very Sexy Collection, like the made-to-be-seen Very Sexy push-up bra, in on-trend hues like green and citron and black shine. Rewind to the future with the VS Archives Swim Collection, inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. Plus, mix and match with their wide range of bikini tops and bottoms to find your dream suit. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. Diamonds Direct has done it again. This month only, get ready for an offer you can't resist. Buy a natural diamond engagement ring of one carat plus and receive a free natural one carat diamond tennis bracelet valued at $2,000. That's right, a stunning diamond tennis bracelet at no extra cost. Imagine giving her the ring of her dreams and her wedding gift all at once. So hurry into Diamonds Direct. Your chance to get a free tennis bracelet will not last long. Details at DiamondsDirect.com. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Dearest listener, allow me to unveil a delightful secret. Snag Tights Craft Clothing that embraces every body shape. In a bold endeavor to revolutionize the fashion realm, Snag has triumphed. Permit me to draw your attention to the ingenious Chub Rub Shorts, crafted with moisture-wicking yarn, promising to keep you at least one degree cooler and utterly free from the discomfort of chafing. Free shipping on select orders. Thus, the more you snag, the more you save. Do not delay. Dear listener, experience the fashion revolution that is snag and visit snagtights.us today. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to Katie's Crib. In this episode, we are talking about in vitro fertilization, which um, I've always called IVF. Actually, I don't even think I even knew that IVF, that's what it stood for. For anyway, it's in vitro fertilization. The first baby conceived through in vitro fertilization, Louise Joy Brown, was born in 1978. Since then, millions of babies worldwide have been born because of IVF. In vitro fertilization treatment has been life-changing for so many families, but it can be Oof, it can be super complicated. It can be a tough subject to talk about. And that's why we're here. You know, we talk about the tough subjects. So what exactly is in vitro fertilization? What's it like to go through the process to conceive a child? I am very excited to find out, and I hope you are too. So I'm here with literally one of my closest friends, uh, Becky Offenheiser, whose son, Miles, is my son's best friend in the world. Becky's husband, Dave, went to University of Maryland with my husband, Adam, they're Dave and Shappy, Shappy and Dave, and now our sons are Miles and Albie, Albie and Miles. Thank you, Becky, for being here. Thank you. <laughs> um, so tell us a little bit, um, before you decided to do in vitro fertilization treatment, like, tell us where were you in your life? Like, how long had you been trying to conceive? Had you been trying? All that stuff. My husband and I, Dave and I, had lived in New York for a year after we got married. We just, like, drank and ate our faces off. So we were, we were only there for a year, and before we moved back, we were like, all right, I think now is the time to start trying. And I remember we, like, 
ceremoniously like threw out our birth control and like took a picture which makes me want to punch myself in the face and knowing what I know now but (laughs) we were like yay it's gonna be so easy Easy. and we threw it out and uh it was not um we spent a year trying and it started with like we're just gonna be breezy and then it's not gonna think about it not gonna think about it and we're just gonna have some drinks and see what happens yes and that slowly morphed into, why isn't this happening? And being really Did you get frustrated. to the point of like, you were monitoring your period on apps? So I did everything. I monitored it. I read every fertility book under the sun. I was doing acupressure because I was too scared to do acupuncture at the time. Becky's got a real needle situation. <laughs> which we're very glad that Becky got pregnant and actually had to face those fears yes. when you had needles and you when you had your baby. Um, so I did acupressure. Uh, pressure. I was doing all these like weird hippie things like where they were like lighting candles on my stomach. And like it was just like I was doing everything. And then I was um, doing this ovulation kit where you like stick, you pee on a stick and then you stick it in a kit. And then it's like it's super demented because it's either like a smiley face or a sad face. Sure, and sure. apparently, like the smiley face is like you're ovulating, ovulating. like yay. Uh-huh. And so we did that and, and nothing was working. And I went to my OB at the time. They kind of pinpointed a thyroid issue. Great, great, great. Got that sorted out. They put me on Clomid, which I don't know if you have friends. It's basically like the first line of defense that a lot of people do. And it's like this crazy hormone that's supposed to help increase your chances of getting pregnant. It makes you psychotic. I've never heard of it. Oh, a lot of people do Clomid. It's pill. And it makes you psychotic. Oh, that's not great. Like, I was like, my sister called me a Clomidosaurus because I was like a crazy person. So (laughs) we did like multiple rounds of Clomid. That didn't work. So it was about a year, and then in March, or in February of 2015, my dad had a massive stroke Mm -hmm. and died five weeks later. Mm -hmm. And my life... Fell apart. Fell apart. And uh, I remember being in the hospital, and my period was late. And I remember thinking, oh, this is going to be so, like, full circle. Like, I'm going to be pregnant. My dad's sick, and I'm going to be pregnant. And, like, the universe is going to show me... Love and love and, and, and kindness. Some, yes, of course. And then I got like, boom, got my period, and I was like, cool. <laughs> and it was yeah, the worst. Was really it was the worst. Thing. And meanwhile, of course, everyone around me is getting pregnant, and like people love sharing that with me. And it was just the low of all lows. So I I spent a few months sort of trying to dig myself out of the hole of the death of my dad. And around August, Dave kind of was like, why don't we? go see a doctor. Like, it's not working for us. It's been a year and a half. And I know. And (laughs) like, why don't we go, let's just figure this out. And so, and it can be really hard and really lonely. Like Becky and I were talking about this before we started recording, but like, I have a couple friends who are having a rough time getting pregnant. And when you're having a hard time getting pregnant, it's like you can't not see every single baby commercial, every single Facebook, every single friend of yours that's getting pregnant around yeah. you. Um, and you get really, I think, and I think you did this too. You sort of isolated yourself from yeah. those people because you were so, and you were dealing with your father's death. But You get angry. Like, I'm sure there are more evolved people than me, <laughs> truly. I'm sure they're like, they're walking their path, I'm walking mine. But I was like really fucking pissed. Yeah. And like, I wanted to like light their house. And if one more <laughs> fucking friend of yours had like her third 
your baby. Oh, you were I like, couldn't. I'm going to punch you in the fucking I face. I couldn't. It was just, it was, it all it was is a constant reminder of how inadequate and barren I was and that I couldn't do it. And why is it so hard? And I'm a TV producer. So it's like, you give me a goal. I reach that goal and I do it. So it's like, I don't understand why this isn't happening. Right. And now you've taken my dad from me too. So like, <sighs> fuck you world. Fuck, fuck you. you. Like yeah. it really, I just couldn't do it. And, um, around August we were like, let's, Let's go see somebody. See someone. Mm-hmm. Did you know like about IVF? Did you know? I had friends. I think just being in our generation, right? Like it's not yeah. like a super like foreign concept. You're no. just like, you've heard of it. You have friends who've done it. Sure. And after my dad died, what was so interesting was that I, first I just wanted a kid for us. I now wanted his blood back in the world. And that was my driving force. Yeah, we talked a lot about, I remember being at a wedding and, and I knew that you guys were, were you were, I don't know what process, point in the process you were of IVF. And, and I was asking about to you about adoption. And I remember you saying very specifically, you know, I may have been open to that before, but since my father's passed away, like it just means so much to me to continue having his genetic yeah. bloodline. Like it feels really important to me to have this baby with my yeah. lineage involved. It was, And like, I had never even considered that as like a, a really strong emotional thing, it, but you it, knew it in your gut. It was like, watch out world, I'm getting this kid. Like <laughs> you, you watch out, I don't care how I have to do it, I don't care what I have to do, I'm getting this kid because I want a piece of him back. And that might sound really weird. It doesn't. But like I was By gonna way, give did. this guy a grandkid. <laughs> yeah. I didn't, you know? So we went to, we had heard about Dr. Boostin Farr at uh, Huntington Reproductive Center just like through the years. Like people had kind of like wink, wink, nodded at me like, hey, if you need someone like. Can you slowly say the name? Doctor. Dr. Boostin Farr. Boostin Farr. Whose okay. father was my pediatrician. No. And I found out later. Wow. Yeah. That's, well, that's full circle. That's my mom goes, Dr. Boostin Farr. I know that name. And she put it together and I asked him and he was. Wow. So, um, yeah, trippy. So he was the first person you met with. He was the first and only person we met with. And I showed up with all my stuff and he was confident. He had just enough ego like I liked it because it made me feel like he was confident. Like he that, could get the job done. Yeah. It was like, okay, yeah, we're going to do this. But there was compassion mm-hmm. and um, he was really clear that he wanted to just get the full picture of what was going on and he was never going to waste our time. He was never going to do like random, a lot of people do IUIs, which is basically like a turkey baster of sperm and you just shoot it up and right. whatever. He's like, I think we're going to just skip that whole part. I and think not do that. We'll just go right to IVF. Because there's a much higher um, Chance. likelihood of it not working with IUI, correct? Right. Like IUI is like, essentially you take a turkey baster of their sperm during the window of your ovulating yes. so that you really nail the timing. Yes. But it's still not uh, as high ratio-wise as IVF, right? Right. So he was like, fuck IUI, let's go He's right to He's like, I'm IVF. not going to do it. You're already a year and a half in. We're not going to waste your time. Mm-hmm. Once you talked to him, was it like a surefire? Like you and Dave were like, yep, this is what we're doing. Was there, there was any never sort of any hesitation. Like, there was literally like, we're doing. And again, I was so hell bent. I was like. <laughs> you guys, Becky is one driven ass, <laughs> strong ass woman. So. so I was like, what do we have to do? And the hardest part about IVF. For what are some of the things he, oh, keep going. But. The hardest part is that you, you show up, first of all, you show up on these fertility clinics doorsteps and you're already really depleted. You're years into trying. You've gotten mm-hmm. like. 18 periods that you didn't want, you know? So you're really like showing up and you want it, you want it tomorrow. You want to walk in and have them go, you know what? 
I think today's the day we're going to implant that embryo, but it doesn't work like that. You know, it takes months and months and months. So it's frustrating to start. What was the first consultation like when you say I brought him all my stuff? Does that mean like you're talking to him about your periods and like what you're eating? Like what are the things you talk about? It's really kind of just your blood work more than anything. Like my old OB, who's no longer my OB, had done sort of preliminary tests on me. And again, I sort of had like this thyroid thing that I thought maybe was it. And at first glance, there was really nothing super obvious. So he wanted to then run a lot more tests. Um, In the meantime, he's like, he found a bunch of cysts on my ovaries. So he's like, we're going to have to do a quick surgery, get those taken care of. Oh my God, I didn't know that. Oh yeah. So he was like, he's like, I know it's frustrating and it's going to put you back a few months, but I really... I want to make sure we're preparing you correctly. So he's like, while we're continuing to figure this out, why don't we take the cysts out? Well, the surgery for me was traumatic because I don't do well with needles. And I threw a male nurse across a room when he (laughs) tried to put an IV in my arm. This is a real thing. The needle phobia that Becky has is not like a joke, ha ha, we're just talking about it. It's like like (laughs) I would choose death over an IV, like serious. So my new OB then basically was like, get your shit together you can't actually have an IVF or a baby if you can't deal with needles. So you got to figure this out. So while I was healing from surgery, I went to a phobia therapist and then spent two months battling that phobia. So I come out of that and I'm like, all right. How? What did they say? It's crazy. It's like meditation? No, please. It's like, it's called cognitive behavioral therapy. And it's like literally like Jedi mind tricks. It's like retraining your brain to think about things in a different way. So Whoa. to react in a different way. I've been in a lot of mom classes while we were pregnant that the biggest hang up for women were not the labor, was not the labor at all. It was the not needles. the pushing at all. It was the getting the eye. You have to have. If you're having a baby in a hospital, you have to have the hep lock put in, which is a, you know, the needle into the vein in your wrist during the entire labor, which yeah. for some people is two days. And I have to admit, most of the women in the classes were more afraid of that needle than they were of labor. So, like, this is good for people to know and hear that there's needle phobia work sure. you can do for maybe sure. during pregnancy or previously to hopefully get you through that. Um uh, what kind of tests did you have to take? And then when they found stuff, did you make major changes in your diet so and your lifestyle? So they did all sorts of tests. They do everything from like putting this dye in your fallopian tubes to make sure your fallopian tubes are open. They really check out your anatomy and make sure your anatomy is right. Like your uterus isn't tilted or like they really explore. And then the blood work, I mean, God knows. They test for everything from like infectious diseases to... Um, autoimmune stuff and it's I mean they really Dr. Bustenfar especially was unbelievably thorough Mm. so I get through the needle phobia and I'm like let's do it I have no cysts on my ovaries and they're like great 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 let's start IVF we were so excited and they were like we'll do one more blood test before you start Um, so they're like okay great we're gonna start IVF and I'm like wee and so we do the blood test and the nurse calls me and she says I'm so sorry there's something wrong with your blood and we can't do IVF on you this month. And I collapsed and I said, I don't understand what's wrong with my letter. Like, I'm freaking out. And she said, you need to see a rheumatologist. There, we found some things that were off. And I'm like, what is a rheumatologist? I don't even know. Are you kidding me? I just had surgery. I just overcame a phobia. Like my dad just died. Just put an embryo in my body. I don't even care whose embryo at this point. Like shove something in there and let it grow. Yeah, yeah. So. Oh my God. I 
frantically, Dave frantically looks on Yelp that day. I don't even, I don't think I even go to work. I'm inconsolable. Yeah. We find some rheumatologist on Yelp who is the, a doctor of basically like autoimmune diseases, like rheum, uh, like arthritis and things like that. And we go to this guy. He looks at my blood and he says, you are very, very sick. You have multiple autoimmune diseases. You have lupus, you have Sjogren's, and the worst of all, you have something called antiphospholipid syndrome, and it is a blood clotting disorder that attacks babies. And I'm sorry to tell you this, you can never have children, and you could never carry a child. And um, I sat there stunned, like, what? And then he examined me, and he was like, classic lupus, and classic this, and he's looking at my wrist, and I'm like, what? And He's like, haven't you been in pain? I'm like, yeah, but like my dad died and I'm grieving and I thought that was the pain. And he's like, actually, a lot of people find out they have these things after they lose a family member because um, it exacerbates yes. the symptoms. Yes. Oh, God. And I, don't I said, think I've ever cried on this podcast. Have I cried? I don't know. Well, here we are. <laughs> he said, um, I said, no, but there has to be like somebody who has had this that has carried a baby. Yeah. I mean, that's crazy. And he goes, no you should look into adoption. And I'm sorry, I know that's not what you want to hear, but I would tell you, you, you have to look into adoption. And we were just beside ourselves. beside ourselves. I mean, we left and we were in, like in shock. And um, thankfully we went back to Dr. Bustenfar and this, the rheumatologist had written him like a very passionate letter about how I could never even do IVF, even have a surrogate, like my body should never have hormones in it. And blah, 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 blah. I should never have a baby. And Dr. Boostenfar basically was like, you know, he might be right, but I want you to see this one more person. And, and they're going to be the person that's going to tell me if you can carry. And he is a high-risk OBGYN. A lot of people don't know they exist because they don't. I didn't know until. You, you don't need them until you need them, right? right? But they're these like specialized OBGYNs that deal with. Uh, issues with multi carrying multiples, people who have all sorts of diseases that are trying to carry, people like me, et cetera, et cetera. He said, go to this guy, and if he tells me you can't, then we'll talk about other options, but you have to go to this guy first. And we were like, okay. And we showed up, and I don't know why I remember, like, I looked like Debbie Gibson that day. <laughs> like, I don't know why that's, like, even important, but, like, I vividly remember, like, like this, like, weird hat, like, what, it's so bizarre. And oh, you had like a hipster like, yeah, but like, it, like bowler hat, but like it was a more Debbie Gibson. Oh than yeah, like, I love that hat. <laughs> I know of, what you mean. Yeah, you know what I, I know hat. exactly. I know the exact hat you're talking about, <laughs> yeah. but it's so cute. Uh, and I had like a puncture. It was just a disaster. So I walk into this man, Doctor Dewani, and I sit down, and Dave and I are like holding our breath, and he looks at my chart, and he goes, "It's an impressive blood work," and I go, "God, thanks." Yeah. And he goes, "You're not sick," and I go, "What?" And he goes. Your blood's a mess, but I'm looking at you, and you're not sick. Mm. And I was like, okay. And he goes, if you do everything I tell you to do, I will get you your baby. And we just burst into tears, and he kept his word. Um, and we, he gave me. And so did you, by the way. Yes. Because you are so driven, thank God, and so, like, such a badass that you did every single thing he said. I was like, I don't care what this guy tells me to do. Like, I'll do anything, you know? And at this point, I had already, like, my whole house was all organic products. Like, I mean, I had already done that crap. Like, right. this was, like, next level. So right. he, 
he essentially laid out an unbelievably detailed diet that essentially is just very clean. But it was super anti-inflammatory. Super like anti-inflammatory. Every single thing that you could possibly put in your body yes. that might inflame your joints or yes. your organs or in any sort of way, you are not allowed to eat it. I, I don't. I don't eat gluten. I don't eat dairy. Um, and he had me on blood thinners. He said you're gonna have to be on blood thinners basically the whole year of your pregnancy plus after to help prevent the clot. And he he very calmly said, by the way, you're like not even close to my worst case. Like he was like, Psh, you're good. And I'll never forget walking out the receptionist. Like if you've gotten like the green light from Dr. Dwani, they hand you this packet. It's like basically like welcome to pregnancy. And they handed us this packet and I took the packet and Dave and I walked in the hall and just burst into tears and just like held each other in this hallway. Like this guy was like an angel. Like I could never, I hadn't had felt hope in like so long, a year, years, 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 years. And I couldn't believe it. So, so yes, I, that day changed my whole diet I changed I was eating so many herbs I was exercising five days a week like yada 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 so, so then you went into like warrior like you were training for like the biggest marathon of your entire yeah. life to put your body through something um and it so you go back to Dr. Bustenfar and he says he's like great <laughs> see told you you know he was like all calm I mean they're like they're the best and he's like, let's do this now, you know? So um, so then did it take a few months for your body to like get to the correct blood work it needed to be to even it, do in vitro or get your eggs out? Or how does that work? It, like, there was a little bit of prep. Like they wanted me to kind of spend a few months like just getting my body good. And yeah. so I started, at this point I could do acupuncture because I had done my needle phobia thing. <laughs> Like I'm a mess, and so I was doing acupuncture, and I was like, I was, I was having like one glass of wine a week, which was probably the worst part of all of it, is the lack of wine. Good lord! <laughs> like, can you even no. fucking imagine? So it's having like, and that's all you need right now. That's all you need. The other, the the biggest component too was like stress management. Like Dr. Dewani very clearly said to me, "You actually cannot feel any stress. If you feel stress, you have to get up." walk outside and de-stress. Stress for you will kill your baby. Mm-hmm. So whatever you have to do to manage it, and I and I took that really seriously, and I started like meditating. How about and, when we were in yoga class our entire pregnancy? Oh yeah, yeah. We did yoga our entire pregnancy, like two, three days a week religiously. We yep. were like in that yoga class, we were in like a beautiful Pilates class, every two times a week you went, I mean you were a so were you. Beast. You were with me. Yeah, but I because thank I wouldn't have gone. <laughs> Escape to summer with Victoria's Secret. Pack your bags with just arrived swim, cover-ups, corset tops, and other sexy silhouettes. When the sun goes down, opt for bold and blingy styles, like the made-to-be-seen very sexy push-up bra from the very sexy collection in on-trend hues like black shine, green, and citron. For a glam statement, pair them with your favorite jeans and bring the heat. Because life is better in a bikini. Rewind to the future with the VS Archive Swim Collection inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. For endless out-of-office options, mix and match with Victoria's Secret's wide range of bikini tops and bottoms that offer you every type of coverage, from full to cheeky to minimal. And now in this season's must-have shades and patterns, add the finishing touch with the limited edition Bombshell Escape fragrance, a free-spirited take on the iconic Victoria's Secret scent. Dive into a vibrant blend of juicy guava, lush palms, and summer glow peony. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. 
Diamonds Direct has done it again. This month only, get ready for an offer you can't resist. Buy a natural diamond engagement ring of one carat plus and receive a free natural one carat diamond tennis bracelet valued at $2,000. That's right, a stunning diamond tennis bracelet at no extra cost. Imagine giving her the ring of her dreams and her wedding gift all at once. So hurry into Diamonds Direct. Your chance to get a free tennis bracelet will not last long. Details at DiamondsDirect.com. Hello, iHeart listener. We have a confession to make. Both iHeart and this commercial you're listening to right now would probably sound a heck of a lot better on the new Roku Pro Series TV. It's got side-firing speakers that fill your room with sound, Dolby Atmos audio that puts you right in the middle of the entertainment, and the ability to pair seamlessly with your home theater sound systems that already have surround sound and booming bass. If all that sounds too good to be true, it'll sound even better on the new Roku Pro Series. Your hearing isn't better. Your TV is. Dearest listener, in a world where fashion oft neglects the true diversity of the human form, Snag emerges as the beacon of inclusivity we so desperately need. Renowned for their exquisite tights, Snag has triumphantly expanded its offerings to include garments that embrace everybody. Snag's creations are meticulously designed on a lifelike figures and refined across a spectrum of shapes before gracing our wardrobes. Clothing that not only promises, but delivers true comfort and fit, particularly of note other chub rub shorts ingeniously crafted with a moisture wicking yarn to ensure you remain at least one degree cooler and entirely free from the dreaded chafing perfect for every season these shorts can be discreetly worn under your clothes offering a delightful alternative to traditional cycling shorts whether you are at the gym hiking or simply enjoying a day in a skirt or dress they are your ideal companion remember dear listener the more you snag the more you save with free shipping on select orders. Don't delay in experiencing the fashion revolution that is snag at snagtights.us. <laughs> so is it standard IVF like, okay, the one you had, does that mean you go on like a birth control pill for a while and then they put you under and they retrieve eggs? Yeah, that's exactly it. So they Did stim- you get out a lot of eggs when they did it? No. This is the same process they do for egg freezing, It's by the, the way. same thing, except I continued. So I built an embryo and then later put the embryo in. Right. So you got put under and you got eggs out. I got eggs out. I prepped. I got eggs out. They took the egg and Dave's sperm. They mix it in a Petri dish. And then at a certain time, they put you under again and they insert that embryo. You don't get put under when you get it inserted. So... What does that feel like? It feels... Well, first of all, you're kind of high because you're on... um, They're like, do you want... And they don't Especially have to when finish. You can't have wine. Well, that's right. Any they didn't have to finish the sentence. Like they're like, do you want? I'm like, yes. If I get in, I'm, yes. Like, <laughs> which one do you have? Please. I'll take. Help. Can I take Help. two? Or you know, um, yeah. And I wasn't drinking, so I was like, can I like snort it? Like, how can I get this into my body? Um, so no, the implantation. Well, first they. So I did my first retrieval, and I mean, I my joke is like my eggs are like they're dog shit. Like my <laughs> eggs are like they're perfect. They got they're, I well, that was like by the skin of our teeth, but. Um, you know, Boostenfar, Dr. Boostenfar called me after it, after we built embryos and only one survived. And he just said, you know, this is a very hard call to make. He's like, you did get one and it is viable, but you know, that's not, doesn't give me a lot of options for you. Um, if you, if you were ever thinking about having kids more than once, or if you want to increase your options, I would encourage you to do another another retrieval. Okay. So when he calls you, he says you have one, we've gotten one egg out of this retrieval and that's one embryo, one embryo. Yeah. 
Um, oh, because you got out however many eggs you how got many out, eggs? and then plus you mix it with some sperm, and then some don't survive, some aren't really they're healthy. Like, you some have, have three a... embryos, and then like two days later, you're, they're like, you have one, and they tell you what the, or if you want, they tell you what the sex is, which is a trip, right? Um, so I got one embryo. I, I got I got the one that's in my house right now. <laughs> <laughs> we got you miles. Yeah. And then so you did a second retrieval. So then you have to, again, it all happens at the pace you don't want, but then I had to wait for my body to calm down go back on a cycle and then I was able to do another one. So it was like four months later that I had to do another one. So it's all just like a waiting game for and your this body. This is all before you did the implantation. Yeah. So I'm Gee, now three years in. Three years into yeah, this shit. To this shit. So like I'm I'm pretty much at this point I have like deleted all Instagram, social media, Facebook. I can't even be around people as you know. With kids. I, with kids. I, if you have a kid like I, I just can't So even. sorry, but sorry. like come talk to me in five years hopefully. Yeah. So I did my second round and uh, I altered a few things for my own mental. I was like, I'm going to try this this time. And uh, I got two embryos out of that one. So um, then I was done with the retrievals. Okay. So you have, right, right, you have two embryos and then we have miles. So yeah. then how was the implantation process? What is that like? You're awake, you said? It's not a big deal. Like that's the easy, after, first of all. Do you go in there with Dave and you're like, oh my God, we're getting pregnant Yes, today. yes, yes. First of all, anyone who's going through. Uh, and what's the odds of actually getting pregnant from it that? It really varies. Um, they, if you look on, don't look online, but like if you look online, they're like, it's 40%. You're like, cool. But then some doctors will say it's 60%. It really depends on your own situation. All people who are going inf through infertility do is get prodded with things in their vagina. Like all you do is like get a wand shoved into you. So, so the, by the time you're at implantation, it's literally like nothing. Like you're like, I don't know what you want to put like this remote control on me. Like I don't <laughs> like at this point you've had everything shoved inside of you that you're just like, whatever. But the implantation, uh, the worst part of it is you have to go with a full bladder, like full bladder. And you have to hold it, and like I, I pee every thirty minutes. Like Why I'm sorry, I probably have to pee that? right now. Um, they have to see on the ultrasound as they're putting the embryo in, and the only Where way to we? see is if you have like urine in there. And I remember like literally like in the lobby, and you're like terrified, and you're on Vicodin, and you're like holding your pee. And then Dr. Bustenfar was like ten minutes late because he was with someone else, and I was like, I'm gonna pee on the floor. I'm gonna pee on the floor, and they're like. Uh, go to the restroom and you can pee for one second. So I would imagine try, everyone try that at home. Wow, okay. that's really good for your Kegels. You I'm think? impressed by that. Well, like I literally was like, oh, what Mississippi? Oh God, you know. <laughs> so I go back in and they put a catheter in your uterus. And you don't, you're on Vicodin, so it's, it's more the mental of it. It's kind of weird, but it doesn't hurt. It doesn't hurt at all. And they essentially take your little embryo and they kind of like shoot it into your uterus and he said I was holding a picture of my dad uh -huh. and I was holding Dave's hand and he and Dr. Boussevar put it in and he looked at us and he said I would say you have a 60% chance that this will work and I've done everything I can and the rest is up to God and, oh. <laughs> and we just like cried and we thanked him profusely for giving us a chance because again just to even get the chance to go through IVF at that point was just uh, such an uphill fucking uh, like I was like thank god I can do like, this yeah. so then you go home 
and then you're just like, deep, dar, dar, dar. Oh, are you kidding? <laughs> it's so weird. And I laid basically horizontal. Like, right, does they, do they say that that helps? They, like, they basically tell you to chill out. Like, but do I, not go on a run or some shit. No, but I, I did every like weird thing that doctors were like, they laughed when I said I was doing it. Like they have a thing about if you eat pineapple core after you implant, it helps with implantation. So Dave found some organic pineapple in the middle of November, brought it home and we ate, I ate pineapple core. I watched comedies because I wanted to feel like and like this is unbelievable. I didn't want it to bring him into the world under darkness so nope. we just rented comedies and right. like laid there and then 10 days later you go in and get your blood drawn for a positive or negative do you remember that car ride there oh yeah yeah were you just fucking flipping out or did you sleep at all those 10 nights no like- no I didn't and then the I knew she was gonna call me that afternoon and it was I was at work and I went home from work because I didn't want to receive the call at work I just knew I wouldn't be so able to come smart. back from it so smart and I was just pacing my house and she just said hey it's the nurse and uh she paused and she's like do you want to know your results and I was like I do she's like are you sure and I'm like I do and she she cried and she said Becky you're pregnant and I just I was like what like I couldn't I I couldn't believe it I couldn't believe it and I called Dave and I was like oh (laughs) like we're pregnant like no one going through IVF actually thinks past that part like we all are just trying to get pregnant you know I was just excited that I peed on something and it said pregnant like that was I sorry if I have a mic no that like like, buy 1,000 pregnancy tests right now and I saved it and like you know me I'm not sentimental I saved it because I was like you've never worked so hard for something in your entire for a little line on a stick you know so um yeah and then I had a whole another journey with obviously staying pregnant that was a whole journey for me but um did you continue seeing the high risk OB through your whole pregnancy to make sure that you kept high high risk OB three times a week uh endocrinologist rheumatologist fertility doctor and regular OB I had to go three or four days a week to the doctor my entire pregnancy how did you schedule that with your work I would just go very early and then go to work it was it was like I was it was a full-time job staying pregnant and when I was pregnant every time I go to a doctor they'd be like all right day 37 let's get you to day 38 like it was a day by day let's hold our breath and get you to you know to stay pregnant and did you also I mean I know the answer to this but I think what you did so beautifully is like you really stayed mentally I feel like you did all the things to mentally keep yourself as stable as possible for him, for right. Miles inside you, to not like freak out at any minute. Like, holy shit, we've gotten this far, and it could. People get to your point and they lose a baby, right? That's Do you right. Know what I mean, right? And That's they can lose it right. before three months. They can lose it after three months. But like, yeah. I feel like you worked so hard to never entertain. Like you stayed in a really positive place. Yeah. Yeah, um, I had to. Oh my god. Um, I would ask this question: What's the most challenging aspect of your IVF? But let's just go that it's everything. <laughs> like, yeah, it's really isolating. Like girls who are going through it feel like they're alone. They're alone in their kitchen at night. Mix. You're mixing medicine. It's not like a. They're like, here's a preloaded needle. They're like, you're gonna mix this powder with this liquid, and you're gonna inject it here, and they're gonna put it in your back. And like, I was self-injecting because Dave was out of town my first round, and. You're just in your kitchen like what am I doing and meanwhile like Kylie Jenner's getting knocked up and you're like <laughs> blow my brain like <laughs> come why on. is this so easy like for why is this so easy like when Meghan Markle got pregnant I thought to myself oh this is a bad day for a lot of girls <laughs> you know like because you see that shit and you're just like oh, come on yeah, like, why is it so easy yeah. like this is so crazy so 
The hardest part is it's just unbelievably frustrating and isolating and it's not at the pace that you want. But that's how it is for everybody. So like if you know that. Did you hang out with anybody else during the time that had IVF or like, I know you go sometimes to Dr. Sorry, I'm butchering this lovely man's name. No, Bustinfar. You've been to his like, he has like a park party or something oh, where yeah. all the babies he's made go and you go My and hang God. out with all these other women who have been through IVF and like crazy and stories called and journeys. Celebration of life. This is what it's called. I mean, please. It's like, I was like, when I got the email that it was called that, I was like, oh my God. And you like bring your baby to meet all the other babies that this man has like created. Uh-huh. And you like, I like handed him what Miles looked like a gremlin at the time. I looked back <laughs> on photos and he's like, <laughs> and he was in far as why I'm like, cool. I'm super glad I made him. But I like handed him my Miles baby. But no, I mean, I had a good friend who had been through IVF. So she, I would text her quite often. During you IVF. must have needed that. And it was I mean. just, I would just say, I would just be like, whoa, this sucks. And she'd be like, yes, it does. Like, it was just nice to have somebody. Did you have any other sort of IVF help? Like, are there online there Facebook are. groups and all there that are. shit that people. There are. And I, I, I mean, I had a therapist who obviously like earned her money those few years. <laughs> like she was like working overtime. Um, so Didn't she cry. I remember this. Oh yeah. I mean, we all, I remember she was that. like, we just really need a fucking win here. Yeah. <laughs> like just, I was like, taking down everyone really? at that point. <laughs> <laughs> everyone was crying for me. What advice would you give people, um, uh, who you know someone who's going through IVF treatments or what are some things you should never say to someone pursuing IVF? Um, actually, I'm going to give credit to Dave because I asked him this question last night and he came up with the best answer, which was, and I think you probably felt this way after your miscarriage, which you've talked about, but when people say, when they ask you, what are you going to have kids? Or like, or, do you want a family? Are you going to have kids? Like when people assume anyone who's married and they come up to them and like, oh, you guys can have kids. And it's like, you don't know what that person's going through. Maybe they're struggling. Maybe they're going through IVF. Like, and now you've just upset them. And like, just don't ask. Don't ask. Literally just don't ask. They'll offer up any information if they want to. Yeah. And don't, I just think just to, you know, yeah. Whenever people get married in a relationship, like, are you going to have a family? Are you going to start having a family? You're like, I'd like, love to. Do you to. want kids? Yeah. And you're yeah. sitting there like, I've been working on this fucking yeah. shit and spending all my money for three fucking years. I'm trying Yeah. To you're like, I'm barren. How are you? Um, were there any, I think we touched on this, but books or resources. And if you think of them after this, please yeah. let me know because we can list them on Katie's crib. Um, what advice would you give to a woman listening to this right now who's been trying to have a baby for a long time and hasn't? entertain the thought of IVF yet here's the thing um first of all if if they're going through it I'm sorry and it's not fair and it's not how you thought it was going to go I'm really sorry because it sucks um a friend told me this when I was going through it and I and she was right you're going to get your baby mm-hmm. and it might not be IVF and it might not be surrogacy and it might be adoption mm-hmm. but you are now on the path where you're working to get your baby so just know you're going to get your baby and that should give you some comfort and I know it's not as fast as you want it to happen but it's going to happen and for anyone going through IVF the other thing is like um you're already their mom like Mm -hmm. you don't know them but you are already their mom because only moms can do that shit and to be so selfless and to be injecting themselves you were already their mother yeah. and and that gave me peace i felt like i was working 
for him as his mom, even though I didn't even know he existed, you know? So um, in the meantime, like women need to protect themselves and just survive. And if it means going off social media, which helped me tremendously, right. only surrounding yourself with people who maybe don't have kids, mm-hmm. that's okay too. Mm-hmm. Don't go to baby showers. Are you insane? Like, <laughs> yeah. Reply quickly, no. Sorry, can't make it. Yeah. Put on your blinders, put your head down and, and get through it. And you're not alone. Two doors down, someone else is probably going through the same thing. Or someone at your workout class is probably going through the same thing. You are not alone. Mm-hmm. Other women are doing this, especially in cities, you know. It's like we're all doing it. Yes. So take care of yourself and survive. <sighs> Becky, this was like I can't even. Like I love Miles Offenheiser so much. I mean, besides the fact that he's my kid's best friend and he's, thank God, like Miles is like a head taller than Albion. He's the smallest <laughs> kid in the class, and Miles hopefully will always protect him because he's tall he and beautiful. Um, thank you for being on Katie's Thank Group and you for sharing your experience and your journey. I feel like this is so important to talk about for women, and I think it's so important for women to hear. And I just think you're like the fucking most badass warrior goddess I've ever known. I love you. Thank I love you. you too. Okay, everybody. Before I talk to my next guest, fertility specialist Dr. Carolyn Alexander. I have to tell you about this amazing hack, okay, that has helped me as a mom and it's just helped me as a person in general. So I recently found out about this app called Drop. It's spelled D-R-O-P, Drop, easy to remember, right? It has been a hack for people like me who are moms and multitaskers, you know, everyday girls that like to shop and get everything we need for the household. You know, hello, we're here, we're multitasking, we're getting a lot of stuff done at once. I love an app that helps with that and this is that. Let me tell you how it works. What you need to do, super easy. Link your debit or credit card to the app when you sign up and then you're done. You just shop like you normally do at your favorite stores. For example, for me, like it's when I get my groceries at Trader Joe's or CVS for diapers or Starbucks for my caffeine or Uber to meet up with my friends. The list goes on and on and on. And since you've linked your card, the app recognizes when you spend with its partner brands and rewards you points every time you shop. I love me a point. The points are then redeemable for gift cards, love me a gift card, to a whole bunch of other stores like Sephora, for example, or Amazon, which I'm on way too much, Target, for more diapers, Whole Foods, Lululemon, more Starbucks, and a whole gang of others. This is seriously a way to save money and get back for all the shopping we are already doing. There are so many everyday brands that I shop at anyway, so I've been able to accumulate, you guys, so many points. Now, because I love drops so much, I wanted to make sure that all of you get a chance to use this amazing life hack. So go ahead, head on over to the App Store or Google Play and download and sign up with Drop. Use my code Katie's Crib, and you will receive a $5 Starbucks gift card immediately once you link your card. You're welcome. Make sure you link a card and verify your email address. Share this with anyone and everyone you know to help them out with free caffeine or free cookies. I love a cookie too. Okay, let's get back to Katie's Crib. Guys, I am here now with Dr. Carolyn Alexander. Uh, Dr. Alexander is a reproductive endocrinologist and fertility specialist, and she is going to break down these facts about IVF. Can you first tell us a little bit about yourself and about your practice? Sure. I grew up in Los Angeles, and I went to UCLA. Go Bruins. (laughs) Um, but I love USC too. Uh-huh. But anyway, I and I went to med school at UCLA, and then I lived in Baltimore for seven years, wow. and trained at Johns Hopkins Hospital for OB/GYN residency and fellowship. And um, I have two kids. I live in LA. I love it here. I'm so happy to be back home. What do you home. have? Two boys. How old are they? Six and eight. 
What do I have looking down the barrel at me? How is it? Lots of wrestling oh, and no. roughhouse play. Is that really what it is? That is what it is. It is. Yeah, he they does need... that now. Big time. It's like biting, hitting, throwing. It's unbelievable. Also, he's a toddler. Um, how, uh, how did you choose that this was like what you wanted to do? It's a, it, that's such a great question. I mean, I was inspired by my father. He's an OBGYN, and I always saw how passionate and de- dedicated he was to delivering babies and helping women and protecting women and all these years. He did it for 40 years. And um, I knew I wanted to be an OBGYN, but then when I was at Hopkins, they um, encouraged me to do research projects. I got to work with amazing mentors who really inspired me to pursue fertility treatment and help uh, women empower women to protect their future fertility Mm -hmm. and um, it really was such a journey really to get to this point wow so here's a big question for you what is IVF IVF is the process it's a a step-by-step process where We grow eggs or follicles in the ovaries. We're born with our eggs in our ovaries, Mm -hmm. and we carefully remove the eggs through a a surgery Mm -hmm. and then inject the sperm into the eggs, which is called ICSI or intracytoplasmic sperm injection, as well as we can place the egg with 20,000 sperm in a dish and allow the egg to fertilize. Wait, that's how that happens? Wait, excuse me. When you fertilize and make an embryo in a Petri dish that will hopefully at some point be implanted into a mom, you put the egg in a Petri dish and then you put a lot of sperm in that Petri dish? In my head, I just thought you picked one sperm, but that is obviously the dumbest thing in the entire world. We do (laughs) if the sperm is not perfect or if the woman's older or has endometriosis where the outer rim of the egg may not allow the best sperm to wiggle in. So, so we, in so in some cases you do select sperm. Yes. How in the hell do you do that? Is there a machine for that? There's a high power microscope, and that individual is really well trained to pick the best looking with a tweezer. Sperm. Yeah, with a little. <laughs> I mean, I just think this is this is unbelievable. What you do is unbelievable. It's so fascinating. Escape to summer with Victoria's Secret. Pack your bags with just-arrived swim, cover-ups, corset tops, and other sexy silhouettes. When the sun goes down, opt for bold and blingy styles, like the made-to-be-seen Very Sexy Push-Up Bra from the Very Sexy Collection, in on-trend hues like Black Shine, Green, and Citron. For a glam statement, pair them with your favorite jeans and bring the heat. Because life is better in a bikini. Rewind to the future with the VS Archive Swim Collection, inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. For endless out-of-office options, mix and match with Victoria's Secret's wide range of bikini tops and bottoms that offer you every type of coverage, from full to cheeky to minimal. And now, in this season's must-have shades and patterns, add the finishing touch with the limited-edition Bombshell Escape fragrance, a free-spirited take on the iconic Victoria's Secret scent. Dive into a vibrant blend of juicy guava, lush palms, and summer glow peony. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. 
Thinking of popping the question? Diamonds Direct has an offer you can't miss. This month only, buy a natural diamond engagement ring of 1 carat plus and receive a free natural 1 carat diamond tennis bracelet valued at $2,000. Imagine giving her the ring of her dreams and her wedding gift all at once. No one provides education, selection, and value like Diamonds Direct. Your chance to get a free tennis bracelet from your friends at Diamonds Direct won't last long. Details at DiamondsDirect.com. Hello, I'm Dr. Michael Mosley, and I want to let you know about my new immersive BBC Radio 4 podcast series, Deep Calm. It's all about how to tap into and activate a remarkable system that we all have, hardwired inside of us, our relaxation response. And it's been developed to be listened to at any time you want to really unwind. I hope you'll listen wherever you get your BBC podcast. Dearest listener, in a world where fashion oft neglects the true diversity of the human form, Snag emerges as the beacon of inclusivity we so desperately need, renowned for their exquisite tights. Snag has triumphantly expanded its offerings to include garments that embrace everybody. Snag's creations are meticulously designed on a lifelike figures and refined across a spectrum of shapes before gracing our wardrobes, clothing that not only promises but delivers true comfort and fit, particularly of note other chub rub shorts ingeniously crafted with a moisture wicking yarn to ensure you remain at least one degree cooler and entirely free from the dreaded chafing perfect for every season these shorts can be discreetly worn under your clothes offering a delightful alternative to traditional cycling shorts whether you are at the gym hiking or simply enjoying a day in a skirt or dress they are your ideal companion remember dear listener the more you snag the more you save with free shipping on select orders. Don't delay in experiencing the fashion revolution that is snag at snagtights.us. This real layman's terms for me, taking eggs out of a woman, putting them in a petri dish with a bunch of sperm, making an embryo, and then implanting that embryo into a uterus. Yes, in another part, step. In another step. But IVF includes all those steps under its umbrella. Yes? Exactly. Woohoo! A plus for me. Can you take us through so women know, I think this is like so helpful, like this, what exactly happens to a woman's body when they're doing an egg retrieval? So like they come into the doctor's office, they're put in scrubs and, or no, scrubs, hello, too much Grey's Anatomy people. Um, (laughs) They're put in a nightgown and they get put under. Yes, they get twilight or light sedation. Okay, and then what do you do? And then we... um, clean out the vagina from how do you do that with um a carefully but with a little syringe <laughs> gently <laughs> with a little syringe with a special fluid that is not toxic to the eggs and so you like turkey based sort of a fluid into the vagina so it gets cleaned out exactly then we what happens empty the bladder with a little catheter okay and then through an ultrasound guided sheath there's, so there's a protective sheath um, a thin needle is placed in, and under ultrasound guidance, we poke directly through the skin of the vagina into the ovary, into the follicle, which we can see clearly, which is like a fluid-filled sac that has a microscopic egg inside. So there is a sheet, like a penis-type machine thing <laughs> that gets inserted into the vagina, and it has a little tiny needle at the end of it, and that sheath 
penis shaped thingy can stick this needle into your ovary and pull out eggs. Yes. Well, we don't have the needle in when we place the probe. We call it a probe. Right. Of course. Yeah. Ow. That'd be fucking horrible. Yeah. The needle doesn't come out till later. Till first, every... you place the probe, and this is all happening while you're in twilight. So, like, you don't feel any of Correct. this stuff. And we position as many follicles as we can, kind of in a line, so that we don't poke. You know, we we limit as many times as we can poking. Yeah. How do you put the follicles in a line? Um, Using a little pressure and sometimes just positioning. Oh, I see. Okay, so then that would be the egg retrieval part. Then what happens, how do you instruct women that, the? Sh- I know there's like shots involved of like women have to give themselves shots before the retrieval, right? Exactly, yep. Um, where do women give themselves these shots? In their gut? In their In their lower tummy, egg? not near the belly button. Okay. So we, you pretend there's a circle around your belly button and just go about an inch away. And are the needles that you're, and are you giving yourself shots every day, twice a day? Is it different depending on the person? It, it's different depending on the person, but typically they're in the evening mm-hmm. and, and occasionally we have to take three shots. Mm-hmm. But. And how... Are the shots for two weeks leading up to the retrieval? It averages nine to 12 days. Oh, okay. It that's depends. not bad. Yeah. Um, do people have major side effects from those shots and the, and the hormones that are in them? I've noticed when we encourage them to eat really clean, like mm-hmm. avoid carbs and eat really healthy, there's less mood swings and less bloating and discomfort mm-hmm. and less constipation because we encourage them to eat a lot of vegetables. Um, and it can be headaches, of you know, really thirsty, so you have to drink a lot of water. And for those 12 days that you're giving yourself the shots, <clears throat> it's recommended that you don't do, like, crazy heavy workouts. Um, you could feel, like you said, bloating, headaches, um, fatigue. Is there anything else? It's important to take a long walk or 30 to 40-minute walk. I would say get fresh air, get your circulation moving. Mm-hmm. You can do light arm weights, but no squats and no core because we don't want anyone to flip the ovary, which doesn't happen. It's just a very rare phenomenon. Yeah, I was hearing about this from a friend. So if you've been, if you are doing these shots and your ovaries are sort of in in overdrive during this 12-day period before an egg retrieval, if you do a bunch of like sort of jumping, working out or things like that, your ovary can flip? What does that happen in life? Like, what is that? It does. It, I mean, thankfully, in these fifteen years, it hasn't happened, but it can happen, mm-hmm. and that is a phenomenon where the ovaries like a Everybody water balloon. Everybody hearing Albie right now? That's my son. He just woke up from his nap. Hi, Albie. Hi, Albie. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so it hasn't happened in your fifteen years of experience, but it can happen. It can happen, yeah. And then does it flip back? <laughs> we we sometimes have to flip it back with a surgery. Is that painful? A little bit. Oh, um, God. That sounds like a nightmare. Okay, so we're just going to hope that doesn't happen. Um, the egg retrieval happens. And then as soon as the egg retrieval does happen, what are your symptoms post-retrieval? Or is it like you have a bad period? Like, what is it? Is there bleeding, cramping? What's the deal? I say it's a little like PMS gone wild because, you know, we all know how that feels. But it, if it does feel initially... The, because the estrogen drops dramatically. a Because you were just shooting yourself up with estrogen, now you're not. So you're, you feel you're kind of nuts. You're using FSH, which bumps up your estrogen, and then it goes down pretty briskly. So especially people who are sensitive to hormone shifts, 
I always say, don't worry, you're going to ride this wave. It doesn't feel very good, but it'll, you'll get through it. Right. A couple days where you feel a little out of sorts and then it gets better. Great. So now walk me through like medically in Katie's crib terms, the implantation process. Do you have to give yourself shots for that? Sometimes we do, and it's called intramuscular progesterone. It's a injection in oil of progesterone that actually lets the level be steady. Mm-hmm. So it helps make the uterus sticky for that embryo to stick the best it can. Mm-hmm. Not everybody uses intramuscular progesterone. Sometimes we just use vaginal progesterone. So some cases you'll have to do the shots before the implantation process, but that's not everybody? Not everybody. And are the shots given the same place in the stomach, not near the belly button? No, upper outer buttock. Oh, and you right. rotate every other day, each oh, side. Wow. And you do continue it till, you know. Till you're right at that Into the pregnancy. Situation. Oh, into the pregnancy. Wow. Walk me through the implantation process. Are you under twilight again or no? Some people take a Valium and mm-hmm. some women don't need anything. Mm-hmm. And you're... You can be awake. We put some nice music. I joke, it's our romantic moment, but basically, Aww. small, small kind of like sweet. a pap smear. Yeah. We could go in. We're actually trying to. Is not, there a speculum used? A speculum used, okay. and then we clean off the mucus, uh-huh. and then with a thin, thin, wobbly catheter. So we try to not let the uterus cramp. Right. And you want the uterus to be super calm. Super into it. <laughs> exactly. The art of distraction is very key. Right. And then um, under ultrasound guidance, uh-huh. we place the embryo in without touching the top part of the uterus so it doesn't contract. So when you, you've said this a couple of times now, ultrasound guidance, do you mean that's the vaginal ultrasound, right? This time it's abdominal. Oh, so the ones that you see in all the movies with the jelly and it's outside your stomach. So when you're being implanted, there is nothing else in your vagina except for a wobbly sort of flexible plastic little tube catheter. Exactly. Super thin. Oh, well, that doesn't seem painful at all. Is there... And you have to have a full, full bladder, bladder. which is what, why we can see properly. So I just heard waves. about this bladder <laughs> situation. So that's really the most uncomfortable thing for women in the implantation part. Exactly. And we can drain the bladder promptly once the embryo's in if someone really feels like super uncomfortable because we encourage them to lay there a little bit tilted downwards for about 15. We used to do 30. We minutes. used to do 45 minutes. But now we Let that egg learned. hang on. Get real sticky. <laughs> right? It can't fall out or anything. Right. This is, you must just be on those days. How many of those do you do a week? <laughs> many. Really? But, we, you know, we, we're a group of doctors at SCRC, and we all have our own patients. We don't cross-cover patients. On so. a day where you wake up and you're like, we're getting someone pregnant today, like, is that just, like, an incredible feeling? I hope that that one is so positive compared to the ones where you're just, like, if they've been through one or two rounds of IVF. And that, and it hasn't taken, that must just be, oof, I literally, I can't even imagine. Are there myths about IVF that you want to take the opportunity to just throw them the hell out the door right here, right now? Well, I believe that there's always a good egg, whether it's I know, you own... said that. Is that your, like, logo? I, I love I, it. It's I your mean, motto. It's really, your mantra. Even when we're doing the retrieval, I think, oh, what if this is our blessed egg for the month? You know, like, we don't know which is going to give us the best embryo. So we do the best we can. But I think 
Um, the most important thing is age matters, even though, you know, I feel it too, being in my mid forties and feeling that, that sense that I want my biological clock to continue, but it's realistically, as we get into our forties, time is of the essence Mm -hmm. and we, you know, want to be as natural as we can be because we get asked often, can we be as natural as possible? But realistically, um, the genetics of our eggs does start to change when we turn 35. And so I think age matters unless someone really has a lot of eggs frozen from the past. We can use um, donor eggs till we turn into our mid 50s as long as we're healthy and our, you know. Whoa. So if you were someone who froze their eggs at 32, you could implant those eggs at 44. Is that, that, because that's sort of like the cutoff date you were saying, right? Exactly. 34 is yeah. when. Well, you can SCRC. use them till 55, but. Um, in a surrogate or something like that. But SCRC, would you implant in an older woman than 45? Is it a case by case? No. It's a case by case. We have into the 50s, but they have to have a normal EKG normal mammogram, normal health. Immune. Exactly. Wow. This is so, this is really amazing because I I have so many friends right now who are freezing their eggs, um, which I know is different from IVF, but sort of similar in process. At least it's the same for the egg retrieval part. Exactly. It's the first part that we do. And as much as we sit here and I'm such a huge advocate of women like you know you should be able to have a baby whenever the hell you want if you don't want to have a baby till you're in your 40s have a baby in your 40s and then we sit here and we talk about the actual science and medical things that we are talking about here and there you're you you can't you know I mean it just gets much harder um I remember you and I first met when I was like 33 I was thinking I was still years away from having a baby <clears throat> and I just said to my OB, Dr. Lainey Kumetz, I said, you know, let's just do that blood test about how many eggs I had. And, and it came back really low. And she was like, if I were you, I would freeze your eggs. And so that's where I met you to have my like egg freezing consultation. And it was really empowering to just get the research and get the knowledge. And I think what happened was my husband and I changed our mind actually from that conversation was, do we want to freeze eggs or do we just want to start trying? And if we try for six months to a year and start having issues, then maybe we um, will go down this path. But it was getting that research was a huge um, instigator for us of like, well, let's just let's just start trying. Um, but I'm going through it with a lot of girlfriends right now, holding their hands, getting their eggs frozen, and it's an amazing process and so empowering and so great to hear that you know whether or not they want to have a baby you know, single with a partner, make it an embryo later. What are the odds of, um, you have much better chance. You only implant an embryo, right? Correct. Yeah. Um, I don't even know where I was going with this statement. You guys, mom brain is a real thing. We need a lot of eggs to have a healthy baby, you know, down the road. Mm -hmm. And depending on the woman's age, there are little graphs we, you know, discuss in terms of how many eggs realistically could give a chance for a pregnancy. I wish we could say there was a guarantee, but there isn't, you know. Um, right. So you retrieve on average, what, 10 eggs out of a woman? At, at, that would be great. Correct. Right? And then yeah. 10 drops down to? So 93 to 97% survive the thaw. Okay. And then depending, so one there. depending on the, the male factor, So if his semen analysis is abnormal, before we thaw the precious eggs, we make sure he takes vitamins, Mm -hmm. 
right. avoids marijuana, avoids, right. you know, tobacco and hard alcohol and stuff like that. And, and have him improve so that when we thaw the eggs, the best, we get the best quality sperm we can use. Okay. And then around, you know, 70% can fertilize. And then depending on the genetics of those eggs, we um, can get some embryos wow. from there. Um, when someone's, I was, I love this, like when someone's choosing an IVF doctor, what sort of questions should they be asking? Are there questions that you wish people asked more of? Um, how does someone even go about choosing? I feel like it's such a specific and intimate relationship, someone with their IVF doctor. You're really involved in getting this couple pregnant or this single woman pregnant. How does someone go about choosing you or choosing think, their doctor? I think it's a sense of confidence and trust in that individual. Um, occasionally it's the referring doctors known them for years and has a good um, success with prior pregnancies as well. Um, part of it is the lab um, our embryology team works really hard to get healthy embryos. Same with all the embryology teams. But I think it's important. That's a big piece of the puzzle is to get um, healthy embryos through the lab facility. And so you would have encouraged women to ask questions about their embryo facility, for, uh, excuse me, their embryo facility, like, and also what the success rate they have at that office and that doctor has. Exactly. And the Oof. success rate depends on the pool of women we see. Sometimes we see breast cancer patients, lots of complicated cases. So, you know, success can vary, but realistically, in the end, we, you know, doing the best we can for every couple, every person. Mm. So tell me, what are the reasons that someone comes to you when they do? Age factors, so the age of the woman or the man, uterine factor where the uterus might have an issue that she can't hold the pregnancy or um, uh, fibroids and endometriosis and things like that. Um, fallopian tubes can be closed, which is a big issue. That's why egg and sperm can't meet. Male factor, which happens often too. And then the unexplained um, infertility, which is a bit frustrating because we can't figure out a reason. And um, that's an important category. Wow. Um what are some of the things that women considering IVF should consider? Like, is it is it a good choice for everything for anyone to do it? Is there an age limit to IVF? There, there's. We have an ethics committee at SCRC that we discuss. But basically, for egg freezing, we go to age 44. But it's controversial between age 40 to 44 because you need a lot of eggs to have a real chance and opportunity for a healthy baby. Mm-hmm. What's the success rate of IVF? It depends on the woman's age as well as the, the paternal age or the sperm's age. Mm-hmm. Um, but at around 35 years old, the chances are, you know, that we can get a healthy embryo can range around 40%. Mm-hmm. But once we have a healthy embryo, we've been ranging around 70% pregnancy. Wow. So once you have one embryo in the Petri dish that's looking real good, you have about a 60 to 70% chance that when you implant that embryo, it will stick and carry. Yeah. Yep. Wow. Um, what happens if a woman doesn't become pregnant in the first try? Oh, God, that must be a real terrible call to make. The whole staff and our whole team, we, we really get into it with the patients. Get really, You're on such a journey with them, of yeah, course. We're of all course. you know, heartbroken at that moment, but we start tackling, is it the immune system? Could she have a blood clotting issue? Um, perhaps you know, we need to modify her 
body weight, you know, depending yeah, on... Yeah, that, uh, yeah, we, I have a friend um, who's on this podcast, Becky Offenheiser, who, yes, she had to find out before she did implantation, thank God, she went to a rheumatory, uh, rheuma, no, no, endocrinologist, I don't know who it was, but who, you know, diagnosed her with lupus and the blood clotting disease. She had to be on blood thinners the whole time. So do you find that a lot of women have that kind of stuff? It does happen quite wow. often. We check the immune panel before we do transfers nowadays. But it's very controversial if that's like standard of care, but we tend to do it. And I would say I think every, that's really smart. Every third person we catch an issue and then we send them to the rheumatologist for a thorough evaluation. Have you ever gotten to a point where a woman is like after if an IVF hasn't worked like multiple times? Like has that happened? I think the emotional pressure on us, especially, you know, again, being in my mid forties and I feel it with the yeah. patients. Yeah. It, it's so much, sometimes I say take a little trip or take a break, you know, and we can regroup or discuss donor eggs. Sometimes the sperm is very low quality and that may be impacting our chances to get a healthy embryo. And we have the hard discussion about donor sperm too. Right. And then there are donor embryos, which is a, a big discussion nowadays that some couples who've had healthy kids, they have extra embryos. And they're very... Um, well, yeah, because people now have got these embryos on ice. Mm-hmm. And if they decide to not use them, what happens to them? They just get thrown out? Well, they <laughs> Or can, you can don't, don't, donate them. Yeah, it's a big discussion. We talk about it. Wow. Amazing. Yeah, science is so fascinating. Um, can you talk about the difference between a woman using an egg sperm donor that we just brought it up and a woman using her own eggs in a partner? Like, is... Is the IVF process the same in those situations? Like if you were to get a donor embryo or? It's similar. It's, um, we check the woman's blood type. We try to match blood type and certain parameters so that the egg donor has similar or whatever qualities they want. Mm -hmm. And then you can get fresh or frozen donor eggs. And um, the frozen ones come relatively quickly. Mm -hmm. And the fresh donor egg, that woman will undergo that two-week process to get the eggs out. Mm -hmm. And fresh eggs are fertilized with the sperm. With the frozen eggs, they arrive and we thaw them. Around 93 to 97% of them survive the thaw. And then we fertilize them. And we prepare the woman's uterus and we can place them inside. Are people picking like, like people pick gender and stuff like that? But do they pick, like, more than that? That's such a great question. I mean, I think... <laughs> Are we, like, playing God here? Like, this is fascinating to me. Like, is this the future? Are people going to be doing this? Like, like picking their family? Like, wh- how does this... The most common thing we're asked to help with is cystic fibrosis because um, a lot of, um, of us can carry the gene for cystic fibrosis. Mm-hmm. And if both partners carry that gene, Mm. then it's really important to check the embryo to optimize and get the best, healthiest embryo for them. That's not going to have cystic fibrosis. Okay. We check sickle cell often. Occasionally, we get asked for early Alzheimer gene um, and the breast cancer genes. So people are really mostly doing it for genetic or, you know, for diseases. People aren't doing it for like, can you have blue eyes? (laughs) We've been asked for perfect pitch, which is a specific gene. But we what? can't. We can't perfect do perfect pitch is, is a gene. But we if you can hear sound perfectly, but we can't do that at this time. <laughs> and but that's do you know the baby's eye color? And no, no, no. Um, tell me this horrible answer. What does IVF cost? Is any of it covered by insurance? I'm hearing about these magical, huge corporations that do cover it. Some. 
Like, isn't it like, I don't know, is it Google or, or Netflix or I don't know, some like awesome, amazing companies are now starting to cover IVF and egg freezing and things like that. But for the most part, that is not the case. And it's out of pocket, right? And some of the law firms are covering two cycles of egg freezing for their um, women who want to protect their future. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it still tends to be diagnostic coverage. So some of the er- earlier diagnostic tests can be covered by insurance. But actually the treatment process can range. It can be a wide range of costs um, realistically. It's like $20,000 or something like that, right? Basically, IVF, yeah. yeah. Um, and you might have to do more than one round. Correct. Are there any resources you can recommend for our listeners of um, things that, yeah, like online, books, sure. anything you say to There are lots of things? educational blogs. We place blogs on our website at SCRC, mm-hmm. how to make the implantation moment as successful as possible. We talk about lifestyle modifications to make the egg quality better. Mm-hmm. I think Resolve is a wonderful organization that gives a lot of support across the country to women who are um, needing for seeking fertility treatments. Yeah, it's great. And then um, there's um, we also encourage because the partners, the male partners, really take an emotional toll, especially if their sperm is not as it could be, the best it could be. And um, there's a lot of psychologists who work well with um, the paternal side of it. Mm. Yeah, we don't think about how this weighs on them at all, huh? Or I sure as hell don't. <laughs> um, are there professional organizations in the country that people can look to? ASRM, or American Society for Reproductive Medicine, is a wonderful resource. Amazing. And that's a website, too. Yeah. We have to link to that. Thank you so much for being Thank on you, this. Thank you, Katie. I think it, oh, oh, my God. It's so wonderful to see you again. And I am so blown away by the work you do. For real, you are an angel walking among us. And thank you so much for being on Katie's Crib, Dr. Alexander. Thank you. Thank you guys so much for listening and for your amazing feedback and tweets and messages and reviews and sharing Katie's Crib with your friends and your family. It means so, so much to me. So please keep it coming and check us out on Shondaland.com. Make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and wherever you get your podcasts.